Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. Thank you for your word. Lord, as we hear your word, we pray that we will discover you. We will know you better and will receive more from you than we have ever known. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 5 verse 18 says that, For surely I say, till heaven and earth passes away. See that, that little word there, T-I-L-L. That means, it, haven't you noticed that the earth is passing away, heaven is passing away? Just look at the nice designer dress you bought last week. It's already now it's past. It's outdated. We all of us appearance. Well, everyone has good appearance, isn't it? All of us appearance. When they were young, what was in fashion is now outmoded. It's gone far, 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 far. Right, so heaven and earth will pass away. But actually, the whole thing will go finally. The whole thing. So he said, till it passes away. Watch this. Matthew chapter five. Till heaven and earth pass away. One jot. Or one title will by no means pass from the law till it's fulfilled. Now this, I, to, I told you the other time, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus was putting his endorsement on, the, on God's word, the Bible. It's interesting, I told you the other time that the jot, the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet is called the yod. Very little, so very tiny. Some, practically, you may have to use a magnifying, magnifying glass to notice it. Which is different from the title. The title is the the uh, stroke, okay? Or in some other translations, said the stroke. The title stroke is like lowercase t and lowercase l. The difference that just that. And is why am I showing you this? It's not that the Bible, the Bible, just the whole Bible is inspired in God's word, and it's not just word. He said that. Even the cross on a T in the so, so every little mark on every little letter, every little letter in every little word is inspired. That Jesus who said it. Because the Bible is inspired, I said it has credibility. I said that any matter it addresses or any matter it addresses is infallible, is inerrant. It's, it doesn't uh, it doesn't have mistakes. Why do we have different translations then? If it doesn't have mistakes, why do we have this translation is saying that this translation is saying that? That's, that's what it really means. Translation means just translation. Because the Bible was originally written in Hebrews, much of the Old Testament, virtually predominantly all the Old Testament. Not everything, but only little Aramaic somewhere. And then the New Testament to some little Aramaic. The New Testament was written in Greek. Theologians call it Koine Greek. There are two types of Greek. Koine Greek is the street man's language. It's not for the posh people. It's not the classic Greek. It's just the normal Greek. And can you imagine the Bible was written in Koine Greek so that it can be accessible to everybody. Everyone can just simply understand it. And it was translated. Now, the Hebrew language is so rich. Sometimes, even like the Hebrew word for 
spirit is Ruach. You may not even know the meaning of what you have said, but the way it sounds tells you, gives you an idea that a wind. Ruach. Ruach. Okay, so they speak in pictures. Ruach. So you, are, you want to translate something into English, and sometimes there are different English words you want to use to actually capture you know, the actual word that was used because the word is so rich, it's so deep that you want to capture it and a combination of several words, such words, to make a statement. So sometimes you don't take a one word, the way you render one word can make it look, make the whole statement go in a particular way. That is why it's not right to take a text out of context and make it a pretext. Now, pretext is to start a whole new subject. Because every text is given within a context. So to be able to understand what it's saying, you have to get the whole picture, the context. All right. Now, so people, it was the first translation, as we know, just generally, is the, it's called the authorized version because that's what King James guided some scholars to. It's not King James himself who did it. Nabi guided some scholars to do it top, 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 biblical scholar to do the translation. And then we have, so it was initially done in years ago. That's why the English is Shakespearean. All right. And then we have the New King James, which you don't see certain um, Shakespearean English. However, the NIV, New, New International Version, is much more modern. When you look at all these versions, there, there are several versions, all right? There are several versions. Most of the what the translators do is they make sure they stay true to the text. But one may focus very strongly on um, the aspect, a certain aspect of the word that has been used. Because the word, the Greek word, the Hebrew word has very various aspects. You must make sure you have it right. And you are reading it. If I'm to translate the, the just shall live, or you are to translate the just shall live by faith. Being a faith woman or a faith man that you are. You can imagine the emphasis you put on the faith, your believing in God, which would be different from someone who just, maybe a scholar also been to some uh, translating faith. He may translate the faith like the way the journalists who describe faith. So you can, both of them, the impact, the meaning. Your, your focus will not be on the live just as much as it will be on the faith. Now if it's Joe who is translating and maybe he's a Puritan, he will focus on the just. Like the way we quote this scripture, the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Now, now when I go born again, we quote it to know that God, your salvation, you run and save. You run and save. So one day I was reading and I saw, I said, the righteous, the righteous. Not everybody, the righteous. But most of the time it is quoted as though everyone runs into it. So it depends on who. So can you imagine if I'm translating it? My focus will not so much be on unless there's a season in my life and that season I'm so much just excited. Maybe it's the, it's the, it's the month of April and I'm so excited about consecration and I'm translating it. Can you imagine? I will not even say the righteous. The, those who are truly consecrated. <laughs> Do you understand? As long as, as long as that word can be rendered consecrate. But if you take the general idea and the general context, most of the time it doesn't deviate from the general context. Other versions are not all that. Just regard other versions are demonically dangerous. Like New World Translation is for the Jehovah Witness. They also translated it. But they omitted anything that points to the fact that Jesus is Lord or Jesus is God. 
No, that, that cannot be right. So if you are a Christian, you go and pick that Bible, think it's Bible, or we have the Book of Mormon, it's Latter-day Saints, and it's a Bible, translated in quite a strange and an interesting way. So there are some translations that are not healthy. There are some translations that are just like the Message Bible. It helps you to have a general idea of the context. But to do biblical exegesis, to pick on the words and break the words, and like I was teaching on Friday and I was telling you, Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore by the message of the Lord, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, it may say, and the same thing, the same idea, but it may not put, it may leave some words because it's just trying to create an idea. And possibly can even, the therefore may be silent. So you can, can say that because of this, you know, and sometimes if you want to go into semantics, because of this can really, may slightly be different from therefore. I'm talking about this. I'm not saying practically, but sometimes depending on how things are rendered. So if you want to go into word by word, you realize that the healthier versions are the King James Bible, the New King James Bible, um, the NIV, the ESV, English Standard Version, or the New American Standard Version, NASV. Right? Those ones, theologically, across the board, are are used for theological exercise, like theologians really keep put a lot of. So many sound preachers, many born-again preachers, if they are not using old King James, they'll be using New King James like me. If they are not using New King James, they are likely to be using NIV or English Standard Version, particularly depending on what Bible school you attended and who raised you in the things of God. Praise the Lord. If I have restricted my understanding or my approach to the Bible I use based on my Bible school education, because I had Bible training, my Bible school courses, all of them in United Kingdom. And in the United Kingdom, we really focus a lot on the NIV. So then I would have been using NIV always by now. But because of my spiritual genealogy, where I was raised and the fire, the Holy Ghost fire. We have always used the King James or the New King James. Hallelujah. But you can use NIV and it's all okay. And so that's why we have different versions. It's not that someone says something, but it's the translation from the various languages. So someone says, you can also do a translation as long as you can understand the Hebrew and the Greek. Yeah, you can take a special course on Hebrew and Greek and be an authority and translate. And if that's what God has called you to do, it will work. But if, if God hasn't called you to do you yourself be confused, amen. All right. Have I answered the issue of translation? Because I told you I, I will throw a bit more light on it. So it's inerrant. It doesn't have errors. Okay, now listen to this. But if someone uses one word, another person uses another word, the words may mean the same. But it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the Bible is fault, maybe the way the it's inerrant. The original text is pure and without any. But the way someone may translate it, may he may slap his, his bend, his inclination on the words they pick. And then someone else on the other side may read that word and say, no, I, don't, I disagree with it. So sometimes you may see a, a teacher who will say that the New King James or the even Bible used this word. I quite don't agree with that word. Doesn't mean he doesn't agree with the Bible. All right. If that doesn't agree with the word the translators use, because it wasn't written in English. Some of you may be familiar with other languages. But I know some of you speak French. Am I right? Senepesa. Oui, c'est ça. So some of you speak French. Some of you speak Spanish. And do you know that there's a Spanish Bible, there's a French Bible, there's a Tree Bible, there's a Cantonese Bible? Different languages. All right. So it is the speakers of the language who say that no. Maybe when, let's say, if you, you are French 
and you are German, it translates into German, you, you, you go and you now become a scholar, you understand the Hebrew, then you can realize that no, in German, when we say this, this is what it means, but the Hebrew doesn't actually mean that. But the one who doesn't know may take it just like that. It doesn't mean it's misleading, but just that it's basically sufficient for your understanding to get a picture of the scripture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, so just stay on the Bible you know and then study. And study because tr- truth is universal. So the, the, the good thing about the Bible is that it doesn't say one truth somewhere which is not connected to every truth. Truth is universal. Truth is discriminative. Truth discriminates. So if you see one truth somewhere, it discriminates against any other thing that's not truth. So then if you, f- you are studying the Bible and discover the truth, it's just like Woven upholstery. You pull one thread out and the rest may all be disjointed. Truth doesn't stand on, it's like it's isolated from other truths. All truths are interwoven. So as you study the Bible, you come across truth, it is interwoven. So if even the translator didn't use the right word, especially when it comes to the, the, the translated, like there's a Bible called Street Bible, they try and translate it and use all kinds of, you know, so it's the ones who translate it. So it's very important to understand that it, even though it may be translated in a certain way, the original means what it says. And the original is infallible. It makes the translations infallible. But just that the act of the translation doesn't mean the translations are inspired. The original is inspired, but translations are not inspired. I can't translate the Bible. Why? Because I'm not a Hebrew scholar. If I attempt it, I may make a lot of mistakes. Or I can do it for myself in my room just to help my comprehension. But to make someone, no, no, you need scholars to do that. A Hebrew scholar, a Greek scholar. Because the Bible is inspired, it has supernatural power. The, some of the pointers of the fact that it's inspired, the historical evidence, the, geogra- the scientific accuracy. I like the scientific accuracy so much. The scientific accuracy. The, what Jesus said about the Bible makes us know that the Bible is God's word. And I spoke about it briefly. I remember. What Jesus said about the Bible. What Jesus said. Jesus said in John chapter 10 verse 35. The scriptures cannot be broken. The scriptures cannot be broken. And then the prophecies of the Bible. The miracles of the Bible. And then last week I spoke about the ethical superiority of the Bible. You read other books and it tells you go kill the infidels. You read the Bible and it tells you love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. You read the Bible and it tells you love your wife, love your children. It teaches us um, hard work. It teaches us integrity. It teaches us civic responsibility. Can you imagine? He told them that obey the authorities of the land. Yeah. The Bible said it. He said obey. And he says that don't steal from your employers. Those of you who have been taking pens. So don't steal from your employers. <laughs> It's, it's amazing the morality of the scriptures to the extent that in Galatians chapter 5 verse 23, it said that the fruit of the spirit against this, there's no law. There's no law against such flow, behavior, and self-control. It's against such, there is no law. The impeccable morality, high moral standards of the Bible. The moral standards of the Bible are so high. Now, I spoke about it extensively. Now, finally, today, the transforming or the supernatural power of the Bible. That shows us that this is no an ordinary book. The transforming power. Say transforming power. power. Say it again. What do I mean by the transforming power or the supernatural power? It changes lives. 
It changes lives. The Bible changes a, a drunkard into a sober man. The Bible changes a, a, a prostitute into a, a pure girl. The Bible changes the prideful into a humble person. The Bible changes the arrogant into a sober person. It makes the weak strong. The broken puts the broken together. Sometimes you can be so broken and shattered and get into contact with God's word and suddenly you realize that your, wife, your broken pieces are being put together by God's word. People have said all kinds of things about someone said, I don't believe there's a Bible. I don't believe the Bible is there. I don't believe this. I don't believe the Bible is God's word. One of the greatest evidence of the Bible, besides what Jesus said and the witness of the Holy Spirit, one of the greatest evidence of the Bible being God's word is in Psalm 34 verse 8. Look at how he puts it, Psalm 34 verse 8. Test it. Don't, it's not enough for someone to tell you. Test it and see the way to radically change your life. Test it and see. He says that, let's already Allah, let's go. Oh, test and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. It is not enough for someone to tell you, you have to test. Test and see how this thing will change your life. How some people have been able to forgive because they came to the scriptures. In Rwanda, there was great atrocity that happened a few years ago. Genocide. There is the Hutsis and the Tutsis. And there is pain and anger. Pain and anger. Short sleeves or long sleeves, they will cut your hand. Wicked, the atrocity was so bad in Sierra Leone. But a pastor friend of mine told me that when you go there, you are preaching. And you see Hutsis and Tutsis coming to sit under the same roof. It must take the word of God. Even that is why these confused, radical Muslims who are very confused, who always want to pick on the Bible, to radicalize the young men, one of the things they say is, particularly the black guys, they tell them that the white man created the Bible to control the black man. Because in America, that's what Farrakhan was writing on. So they, they, they go to the prisons and say that this whole thing is a control from a white man. They use the Bible to enslave, to start slavery. Is they use the Bible to do all kinds of things. Then they make you read the Bible and suddenly you say, okay, okay, it doesn't matter. I leave everything to God. Then they can get away with their foolishness. Do you understand that? So they say people use the Bible. But do you know what? The slaves in America. That is why the black Americans are very Christian. Or that religious. And most of them, their Christianity is very strong. And Christianity has passed from generation to generation in, the, in, in black America be holding the Bible and be preaching vengeance against those who hurt you. They they understand forgiveness. Because what some of them went through is unconceivable. What some of them went through is oh, peace and forgiveness. Let's hail Mandela for how peaceful he was. But yet we have not brought to justice the atrocities and the wickedness of the people who perpetrated it. That one is okay. But Mandela, you have done well for not bringing problems. Why has he done well? Because someone did wrong. With a Christian, it doesn't matter. And that, because that is what the scripture teaches. Actually, it can change you so much. You can have a gun. The one is someone is about to shoot you. And you end up having the gun. And you read the Bible. And you are about to shoot the person. And you really want to shoot. You read the Bible. And you feel like, no. I won't kill you. 
I won't kill you. Doesn't matter anymore. I won't give you the gun back so you can kill me. But it doesn't matter anymore. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. You read the Bible and something happens in you. One great man said, I've read other books, but this book reads me. This book has transforming power. Say transforming power. Transforming power. And the, what we are supposed to do is to come to it and eat it. Eat it. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 3, he says that he told me, Son of man, feed your belly. Fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey. In sweetness. Eat, you have to eat it. Matthew 4, 4. Man must not live by bread alone. By every word. Of the, of the Lord. When the, Jesus puts it this way. In the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Verse 7. I like the way the Bible can change. He said ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. No. You try it and see. Put it into practice. Ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock the door will be open to you. And then in Matthew chapter 7 verse 21. He said not all those who say Lord, Lord will go into the kingdom of heaven. Because many will come and say Lord I did this. He said not all. But those. But he who does. Let's all read it together. That, yeah, from the back. Let's go. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So when you do the will of the Father, that is where you begin to experience His grace. You begin to experience His power. Don't. The Bible is not just good for just knowing about God. You. It, it will introduce you to God. Many people know about God through the Bible, but they don't know God of the Bible. I remember in Bible school, the principal said, "Many people come through the Bible school, but the Bible doesn't go through them." Let the Bible get into you. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 26 and 27, Jesus speaks that he who listens to my words and doeth them, does them. Everyone who hears this saying of mine and does not do them, he says like a foolish man who is building his house on the sand. So you have to listen and do. In the book of James chapter 1, verse 25, said, He whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, and this man that is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessing. If you want to see its impact, taste and see, practice it and see what is going to happen to you. Someone shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. So it's very important. In Revelation chapter, chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, it says the same thing about when he gave me the scroll to eat. You have to eat. You have to put, put it into practice. You have to experience, practice it to experience it. Jesus puts it this way. In John chapter 7 verse 7. Look at John chapter 7 verse 17. And then from there we go to John chapter 13 verse 17. Then from there we go to John chapter 17 verse 17. Isn't it? All right, why don't you start the other way around? John chapter 17 verse 17. He said your word is true. John 17, 17, Jesus said, your word, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Experience it and see. Your word is truth. John chapter, chapter 7, verse 17. John chapter 7, verse 17. Jesus told them that if anyone, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God. You see, don't, don't say, put it into practice and you will know whether this thing is from God or not. Do it and see. Don't just hear it. Do it and see. See the way it will radically tra- transform your life. In Deuteronomy, that's why the Jews are that unique. In Deuteronomy, a child is growing. The Bible is always inside him. They put the Bible not on his face. It's inside him. They can actually rattle. Before you get to a bar, bar mitzvah, you should be able to rattle certain things in the Old Testament. 
It's part of the Hebrew culture. No wonder the, the Jews are unique. It's not just because they are children of Abraham that's part of the blessing, but for the blessing to work, the word must get into them. Hitler tried to, to annihilate them, get rid of them. No one. Uh, Herman, is it Herman? Herman tried, it didn't work. Hitler tried, it didn't work. Ahmadinejad, um, he was trying to do it. it I mean, people have been trying to get rid of them. But because, you see, when the word of God enters your spirit, enters your life, your life is secured for the future. Listen, many parents are so concerned about how well your children are doing educationally. Is that your biggest concern? They must do well. But if that is your foremost concern, you are getting yourself into trouble. Yesterday, Mommy K said something. She said that put pump something into them very early so that you can, in the later life, you can bear the fruits. Enjoy the fruit. And on that, if you don't pump early, later part of your life, they become prayer projects for you, running from one place, asking, please pray for my son, pray for my daughter, pray for... So please, when the word of God gets into you, he says that here in all Israel, the Lord your God is one. That's called the Sheba. That shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and, and all your soul and all your heart. And these words which I command you today, this day, you shall teach them to your children and to your children's children. And he said, let it be the topic of conversation at home. Write it on the walls. Write, put it, buy it on your hands. Put it on your front legs, between your eyes. Let the word of God saturate your children's life. That is what guarantees their future. Because I know people who are well educated and life, yet they mess up. I know people who are, who are so successful in business and they mess up. You must be proud that your child can quote the scripture. Every week, every week there must be a scripture in the house, a new scripture you are teaching your children. Every week. Oh, your te- the teacher said they are doing well. Let that child move and go to another school. You see how bad the child is not doing. He's doing. So doing well is very subjective. Very, very subjective. It depends on who, who the teacher is, their aspiration, and what kind of school. Shout the word. No one has Satan has found every ways to fight the word. So that when most of us we have the Bible, but we, it's secondary. It's, it's not it's a religious book. It's a religious book. You are so excited about how your, your children know the cartoon characters. Every McDonald's character, they have it. They have it in the house. They have it in the house. And you are not invested into finding how Christian resources, the program that can inject the Bible into their life. Because please don't look too far. Just look a little behind you. And you can tell what is following is not good. It's about to jump on your child. Oh, you didn't get what I mean. Yes. Some of us, where God, we have practically assumed from some place. By the mercy of God, he has pulled you out. And so if you don't secure your children's future with it, their aunties have not changed you. Their uncles have been changed you. Their grandfathers have been changed you. Uh, grandfathers have been changed It's the same people, the same family. It's blood. It's called blood. It's the word of God that can refine your blood. Martin Luther said, this book has life. It speaks to me. This book has hands. It holds me. This book has feet. It runs after me. Get the word into your house. Build your marriage on the word. Young brothers and sisters, let me tell you. 
Our world, particularly in the United Kingdom and the West, everything has been reduced to surface, superficiality. So as long as a lady can buy the best makeup and knows how to do her makeup and knows how to dress and can go to the gym and look a certain way, she's hot. That's all. That's all. As long as the man looks like some way and he speaks with a certain baritonic voice and motor motor and walks some way. And in some, in some traditions in our country, the, the man must learn how to drop his, his trousers to the curves of his behind for him to look cool. The, the images that have been painted to us about what matters in life are all distorted. Some people's biggest dream is to be able to go to Mount Everest, be able to go to uh, Spain, be able to go to uh, touring and taking so many pictures by your life. What's the meaning of your life? The Bible tells you where you are coming. It's the only book that tells you where you are coming from, who you are and where you are going. Get yourself into the Word. Get yourself into the Word and your life will be sorted. Your life will be sorted. Get the Word of God. Eat it and it will change your life. Serious! John 13, 17, he says that blessed are you if you do these things I'm telling you. Blessed are you. John 13, 17. You are blessed if you do these things I'm telling you. Let the word transform you. Expose yourself to the word. It is, it is not the job of a pastor just to be reading the Bible for you. No. That's not a pastor's job. It's your job. It's your job if you mean business in life. Every day, make sure you read your Bible. Read, make it a custom. Make it a personal law. Or read my Bible. And teach your children how to quote their scriptures. Teach your children how to put their faith in the Bible. In God. God of the Bible. Oh, but it's just a quotation. You never know what. Can you imagine I was talking to Sinead uh, last week or so. My five years old girl. I was talking to her about something. And she said, Daddy, can you take this from me? I said, no, I can't do it. She said, don't say that. You can do all things through Christ. She corrected me. And she told me, you can do all. Don't say I can't. Say, because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Put the word inside. So when the thing is coming on, there's a word inside that is, is catching the grace, securing their future. And you don't need a pastor to do it for you at home. You don't need that. You don't need a pastor to any pastor who said, no, I have to come to your home and be blessing your children. And you don't need that. <laughs> Did you receive something? Yes. If you are not saved, you are not safe. Because life is dangerous. Life is not under your command. I don't see why I should end this service without giving you an opportunity to say, yes, Lord. Pastor, pray with me because I want to have this bread. It means I want to put all my confidence in him, all my hope in him. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that is your genuine desire, just lift up your hand and say this after me. Say it genuinely from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I ask you to forgive my sins. Wash me with your blood. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross to save me. From today, I will serve you. I believe in you. I put all my hope in you. I put my faith in you as my Lord and personal Savior. I receive you into my life. I make a vow with you that I will serve you all the days of my life. Satan, get behind me. I don't belong to you. 
I belong to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you. Your word says that you know your sheep and your sheep know your voice. No one can come to you except your father brings him. I pray that let your grace be upon them. Help them to be strong. I pray that the grace of God will come upon you. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and help you to be a strong Christian. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.